You're listening to the iterators of the Imperium. Hi, I'm Miss, and I'm here with my co-host, Ryan, and you're listening to Season 2 of the Iterators of the Imperium podcast, the podcast in which Ryan is the expert on Warhammer 40k, and I'm the noob trying to learn about the Warhammer universe. But yeah, let's get into it, Ryan. So what is today's topic? All right. Last episode of the season, last topic to cover. I'm sure that you know exactly who it is. Do you even want to bother with a quote, or do you want to just tell me who it is? No, just give us the quote and just, like, give a brief uh, presentation of who it is, because we have covered pretty much everything. And last time was, like, I guess out of two <laughs> where I got it right. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, the quote today is, One for the blood god, skills for the throne of Karn. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, Karn, yes. obviously. Yeah. Today we are discussing Karn, the blood god. The god of anger, violence, and hate. Hey, He's lovely. He's a truly delightful guy, honestly. <laughs> truly delightful guy. I'm sure he is. <laughs> honestly, like, the god himself is a pretty chill dude outside all the murder. Mainly because he yourself? doesn't care about anything else. Do you yourself right? <laughs> Well, like, everyone else is like, ah, I do 40,000 evil things at the exact same time. Kor's just like, war. You're going to do it anyway. I'm just going to hang around and enjoy it. You know? Like, Fair. all there is in 40k is various forms of warfare. And Kor er, Korn is just sitting there, painting his fingers like, good. <laughs> Mr. Birds. And that's exit. <laughs> that's it. Whereas all the rest of them are like, ah, oh, I'm gonna ravage you with plagues while you fight wars that you're gonna fight anyway. Or ah, your bosses are gonna be murdering each other so that they can try to become a different kind of boss before they eventually die in the same war. And so on and so forth. Corin's just like, nah nah, just just the war part, please. <laughs> as far as the chaos gods go, he's honestly quite a chill one. <laughs> That, I, I guess, but that just doesn't fit together, you know, when you say it like that. <laughs> you know, it doesn't sound right, but... <laughs> you know what, it, it, it's kind of like how Nurgle's the friendliest of the Chaos Gods. Like, it's true, it doesn't really mean much. It's kind of like that. Mm. Yeah, let's not talk about so, Nurgle. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, we're not going back to Nurgle. Yeah. Never again. <laughs> so, so, we're talking about Korn today. His titles include the Lord of Rage, the Taker of Skulls, the Lord of Battle, and the Master of the Brazen Throne. They're all quite cool titles. They're not quite as ridiculous as some of the other ones. I like how, like, Slaanesh's ones are all, like, about eating people's souls and stuff. Zinch's ones are all really complicated. Nurgle's ones are like he's just, like, a friendly relative. And Corrin's ones are actually just like warrior titles. <laughs> just cool. Yeah. Yeah. So his sacred number is eight Deceno. Okay. And his his greater demon is the Bloodthirster. And we have mentioned Bloodthirsters before. Yes. We have talked about them briefly. Uh do you remember when we mentioned a Bloodthirster in the past? I'm not not too sh- uh, I want to say something with the heresy, but that's probably wrong. No, no, you're right. The heresy remember. and your boy Sanguinius. 
Uh, ooh, okay. Ooh. Okay, I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. completely off then. No. Uh, so, at or during the Siege of Terra, a particular bloodthirster is summoned in and ends up battling with Sanguinius. And that is the reason people kind of question or not whether, uh, why Sanguinius was able to be defeated by Horus so easily. Some people are like, oh, well, he, he didn't want to kill him. Like, like Sanguinius didn't want to kill Horus, but Horus wanted to kill Sanguinius. Yeah. So they were fighting in different ways. Be like, well, yeah, that could be it. Or you've got, uh, Horus had the powers of the Chaos Gods backing him up. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, that also would, would kind of skew the scales a bit. But a large part of it is uh, this, like, a really obvious thing that no one can argue is that before the battle, shortly before the battle, outside the walls of the Imperial Palace, or not outside the walls of the Imperial Palace, but on Terra, basically, uh, Sanguinius got in a battle with a particular incredibly powerful bloodthirster of corn, and the bloodthirster fucked him up. Mm. So he went into the battle with Horus already injured. Yeah. And tired, for that matter. So, that's like another side of that situation that people thought. So, there's a few different arguments go on there. I like to think that Sanguinius just didn't want to kill Horus. I yeah. think I like to think that if he wanted to, he would have. I mean, being fatigued already makes you a bit, you know, weaker in itself. But it, then again, there's a big difference if you're hitting to kill or if you're pulling your punches. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Are you fighting to defend yourself from your brother, or are you fighting to murder your enemy? And that was the two sides they were each on, so... Oh, God. Oh, Ryan, you... Oh, I'm getting some bad images in my head. Like, I'm sorry, just a quick sidebar. I recently saw, like, an MMA match or something like that with a guy who hit another guy so hard uh, that I think he just got disabled, the other guy. And he has never fought, like, that's... Like, like an animal again. Like, he, he always pulls his punches now. Jesus. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. I couldn't help but, remo- right. uh, but remove that when you said that, so I'm sorry. Back to the topic. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. <laughs> so, Orin's power, in essence, comes from violence, right? Yeah. That's like his, that's his purview. Uh, but it's it's more down to, like, honor and pride in martial combat. But in reality... Corrin's followers, his actual, like, really devoted followers, know that Corrin cares not where the blood flows from, simply that it flows. So, there's, like, a, a kind of weird thing to it. So, the idea is supposed to be that Corrin is only worship for him when you're fighting honorably and you're proud of it and stuff like that. But in reality, it doesn't really matter as long as you're killing things for Corrin. Yeah. Yeah, uh, also, every life that is taken in the name of Corn adds a skull to his throne. <laughs> That's a big throne. <laughs> it's a real big throne. <laughs> uh, and it is said that he came into existence fully. So, like, it's, you know, like, Slaanesh's first breath thing where they eat all the Eldar. Yeah. Similar thing. It's said that Corn's first breath took place during our medieval age. And that's why that age is just nothing but warfare. Oh God, because yeah, corn even existed. At... Well, yeah, it's kind of because corn was suddenly whispering in the ear of every general, like, just go murder people, I'll be fine. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Do it. Do it. 
every chaos god basically like eventually filters down to just Darth Sidious going, do it. Just do <laughs> yeah. different things. <laughs> that's, that's honestly all they come down to at the end of the day. <laughs> and as you'd imagine with corn, simple warfare is like the golden rule, right? Straight up, one of you gets a sword, one of you gets a sword, you fight each other with the swords. No fucking around, no extra shit, fight. Simple, yeah. right? So, underhanded or excessive kind of things within that, Corrin sees them as just needless waste, and he finds it kind of insulting that people would do that. So, Corrin obviously hates magic, because you're pissing about, just stab him, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you'd think Corrin probably hates Zinch the most out of all the other Chaos Gods. <laughs> Actually, it's Slanesh that they hate the most. He sees that Slanesh and Slanesh's followers, he sees their, like, mindless self-indulgence as, like, an insult more than anything else. He, like, takes it personally. <laughs> yeah. Which I love. <laughs> and I took that personally. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and I guess it's because Zinch's uh, followers using magic, at least they are still just killing things. Whereas Slanesh's stuff is a lot of, like, torture and stuff like that. Which is, in essence, just avoiding killing people. You know? It's just delaying it. Yeah. So I guess that's where that comes from. The idea that Korn would hate Slanesh more. So, yeah. The followers of Slanesh and Korn are usually at each other's throats. Although, yeah. to be fair, that is true of basically everyone in 40k. Never mind Chaos God factions. Yeah, I was just about to say, isn't that really the essence of Warhammer in itself? <laughs> yeah, it kind of is, yeah. <laughs> it's like so, I, I've mentioned it a couple of times now, Ryan, Warhammer is just tales of survival and despair. It, it really is, you're right. <laughs> we we need that as a game, Warhammer, tales of survival, and it's just everyone <laughs> dying, but like some people it lasts longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so to be like to be a worshipper of corn, you must be a warrior, right? It's impossible to worship corn without being a warrior. Fact, right? Yeah. But it's regardless of the war or of the order of those things. So you can uh, you can be a warrior like a space marine and then turn to worship corn, or you can, you know, become a worshipper of corn. And just suddenly become a warrior of some sort. Not a very good one, mind you, but you'll want to kill things and you'll try. <laughs> so, yeah, that's basically how that goes. <laughs> uh, there are no temples to corn, right? No one's building a shrine to worship corn. Because his worship is not prayer, it is bloodshed. That is how you utter a prayer to corn. You draw someone else's blood out of them, one way or another. Yeah, and then automatically, he just goes, yeah. ah, yes, excellent. That's exactly it. That <laughs> in itself is a prayer to corn. God damn. So the battlefield is his place of worship, right? Yeah. If you actually were to go build a temple, like, to worship corn, when you could have been fighting instead... Corn would probably just be pissed off with you rather than pleased. Better. 
<laughs> which I find quite funny. Uh, and appar- apparently, if you go one day without completing an act of worship to Corn, you will evoke his displeasure. I don't know okay. what he's going to do to you, but he's not going to be happy. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to do to you, but, but it's going to be terrible. <laughs> Just know I am severely displeased. Yeah. Decide the bloodthirster is to hand you a strongly written letter. Oh, God. It's your first warning, man. <laughs> Three strikes and you're out. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Three strikes and the bloodthirster comes back. What's out the no? <laughs> All right, any guesses what form the realm of corn takes? Something horrific. Mm. So, think, right? Nurgle is all about, like, life and rebirth and stuff. So he has a garden, right? It's kind of Uh magnificent, it's kind of swampy, but it's a garden. Yeah. Zinch is all ever-changing schemes, so his is a maze. Maybe a battlefield. Well... You're not far off, but... A war zone. No, that's the same thing. <laughs> I'm just listing, like, a triple-A shooter games now. <laughs> you are, yeah. <laughs> Heroes and generals. <laughs> it is a fortress. Okay. For the record, right, the actual realm itself is con- it's considered to be the fortress is the realm of corn. Uh, but it is surrounded by like a war-torn battlefield, so I mean you're not wrong. I'm 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 half right. I would say uh, the yeah. glasses have. I full. would say you were correct. I would say the question was vague. I mean, you could say the fortress is a battlefield. I don't think anyone's going to try and fight in Corn's house because I feel like all that would happen is Corn is <laughs> put into that fight very quickly. <laughs> well. The people cleaning up in that house, right? They could say this looks like a war zone because it's not cleaned up. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your place looks like a war zone. Okay, <laughs> I stand, imagine uh, insulting corn like that in his own house. Yeah, or is very house proud. I'll have you know. Okay, okay. Actually, I have no idea. It may be, huh? <laughs> Probably not, to be honest. <laughs> so, outside corn's uh, fortress are a ring of volcanoes surrounded by rivers of boiling blood. It's like the world's worst water park. (laughs) (laughs) What? Well, that's what I thought of when I was reading my notes. (laughs) God, six running. Oh, yeah. So, at the base of the volcanoes are Corn's forges, which endlessly manufacture demon engines. Right? And nearby are the blood pits, from which new demons of corn spawn. Lovely. Yeah. At the center of the realm, so at the center of the the fortress thing, is the brass citadel, where corn's throne sits. The skull throne. Yep, he sits upon a mountain of skulls of those killed in his name. So the room where his throne is, there is a it's lit by like a dark fire, right? Like a campfire type fire in the middle of the room, like a brazier. Mm-hmm. But the fire is like dark fire. It's not like the right color. Okay. And it constantly burns the souls of cowards who fled combat. <laughs> Lovely. I know, so don't do that, I guess. Yeah. It acts like yeah. a TV as well. Oh, well, t- entertainment I'd imagine for him. so, yeah. Entertainment yeah. for him, yeah. 
in the fortress, all right, actually within the citadel itself, there are forges, right? Yep. More accords forges, but these ones are forever manned by the warriors that died in their sleep. Because corn shames them forever because they didn't die in combat. <laughs> what? Yeah. If you don't if you're a warrior, which is great, and you're worshipping corn and all that, but you don't die in combat, fuck you. <laughs> you're gonna be doing manual labor forever. Yo, he he corn is that type like, you know, sleep is for the weak. You know, <laughs> that kind of type. Yeah, that's what got left. <laughs> so the lands beyond the citadel are littered with the bones of fallen warriors, right? Mm-hmm. And amongst that kind of war-torn wasteland, there is a massive uh, split in the ground, like a big massive like crevasse in the ground, which is miles wide. It is mm-hmm. said Korn once flew into such a rage that he drew his sword and plunged it into the land, creating that fissure. Apparently, his sword is like an actual object that he's like that he could give to his followers. Like he could just give it to someone that he thought deserved it. And the sword apparently can like destroy a planet in one swing. What? Yeah. How big God is the sword? sword? Well, I imagine it's fucking huge. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Like, who would be able to wield that sword? You know, nobody. It's like, no it's, like saying, it's like saying, yeah, yeah, you can use my iPhone if I deem you worthy, but you can't unlock it because you don't have my face for face ID. That that's a bad yeah. example, but you know what I mean. Like, nobody could use it. I get it. what you mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I could, could give, give it, it to like, you. But... <laughs> you could give it to like an Emperor class Titan, but like I'm pretty sure they could destroy a planet on their own if they want to anyway. Yeah, they yeah. don't need that shit. They don't, they don't care. Nah, I, I don't think they really would want it. I don't know how many titans are under Korn's control either. There will be some. There are yeah. Chaos titans. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. I'm going to look at that. That's a good point. I, I wonder need that if that's what it's for. I need that sword when we play Warhammer Dark Type, by the way. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been cut playing the game. that bit. Yeah. My new computer can finally play that game. Oh. Uh, and then I sacked it just started playing uh, uh, Monster Hunter World. Rise. I'm sad, right? I bought the game because I wanted to play with you, and we haven't played since. We haven't even I, played. Well, to be fair, I couldn't play because my computer was garbage. I know, I know. <laughs> we were going to be streaming that game for the lovely viewers as well. We were. We just haven't got around to it yet. We're going to have to. Yeah. We've got so many Warhammer games that we need to play. Oh, gosh. I know. We need to play Space Hulk as well. Apparently that one's fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Back to the topic at hand. The followers of Korn. Right? So, first things first. The Bloodthirster. The greater demon of Korn. Right. Do you have any idea what a Bloodthirster looks like? Why do I feel like uh, a skeleton or some shit? I don't know. Nah, nah, nah. You you went the wrong way with it, my man. So, a beefy A Bloodthirster... A blood a bloodthirster basically looks like the Christian idea of the devil. What so, the hell? Like, yeah, uh, you see that picture I just said, you know, of a bloodthirster. They're pretty crazy. And it's like gigantic red monster uh, with goat hooves, big bat wings, horns, claws, 
and carrying various assortments of hell-forged weapons, like swords and stuff, and they wear brass armor, usually decorated with skulls. <laughs> Lovely, because, you know... It kind of uh -huh. looks like the Balrog from Lord of the Rings. Fuck. I mean, I wasn't yeah. totally wrong in terms of they don't have any skin, or at least it looks like they're... You know, the Attack on Titan, you know, the Colossal Titan? <laughs> it looks Aye, like it's just like flesh up or just like the flesh below the skin. Yeah, so yeah, I just took I took like a that, step yeah. deeper into like the skeleton, but I was just <laughs> I just took it. Too I'm far. not sure they have skeletons. <laughs> Wait, what? Well, how do I they don't, move? I don't think they need one. It's a mm -hmm. demon. <laughs> what? Uh, oh, apparently they have or they feel bloodlust beyond mortal comprehension. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right, there are a load of bloodthirsters, right? There's a ton of these fuckers. But they're organized into eight hosts, because eight is a corn's number. Yeah. And the eighth is the weakest, and the first is the strongest. And of the first, there are only eight bloodthirsters, and they are the strongest of the strongest, right? Yeah. So if he sends one of those guys after you, you're probably gonna die. Lovely. Fair nuts. But you know. Yeah. Alright, so the next one we have is the common demons of corn, the blood letters. Hey, so oh god. These these again look like the kind of stereotypical Christian explanation of a demon. It's yep. like a little red dude that for some reason has horns and a weirdly long tongue and face glowing eyes and stuff. And glowing, glowing eyes. Glowing eyes can throw fire. Stuff like that webbed feet for some reason, claws and stuff. Like, they're kind of just a very typical explanation of anyth or what a demon would be explained as by any random human that knew nothing about 40k. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's kind of uh, Apparently these dudes are immensely strong, and when they march into war, they do it with, like, with supernatural precision and strategy. But once they get into combat, it basically just falls to carnage because they all try to outdo each other. <laughs> so okay. all strategy just goes clean out the window. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're fun guys. No, they, they don't look like fun guys, right? I'm sorry. Nah, no, nah, they're fun guys. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> all right. Next is the beast of corn, the yeah. flesh hound. Oh God, he rides that into battle. Yeah, these are the mounts. No, you know. Yes, no. No, these are not the mounts, sorry. These are just, like, monsters they use to fight. Okay. Uh, so, the flesh hounds are... Honestly, it's like a little quadrupedal dinosaur. So, it's like... It's got, like, armored scales on it. Claws and big-ass teeth. And they just kind of act like hunting dogs. They just hunt down enemies of corn and eat them. Yeah. That's it. That's kind of all they are. They're just kind of... It's like an animal rather than, like, a sentient creature that's, like, taking orders. It's like a trained wild animal instead kind of thing. A well-trained dog. Basically, yeah, except it's, like, much bigger and tougher and shit. Oh, yeah, of, of course, of and course. And a demon. Yeah. By the way, yeah, I retract my just, Yeah, yeah. And they just eat the enemies of corn. Simple as. Yeah. I retract my yeah. statement, by the way. I don't think anybody would ride that into battle because the spikes on its back... It looks uncomfortable. I'm not gonna lie. You gotta get yourself a new a hole. <laughs> no. kind of see, the thing is, right? That would be a good one for uh, Slanesh's dudes because they'd enjoy that. Oh, uh, uh, I mean, they yeah. like pain. It's like their whole thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. The next one is the Steed of Corn. So this is what they ride into battle called okay. the Juggernaut. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. It's basically like a partially mechanical demon bull, for yeah. lack of a better explanation. Uh, and they are made of living metal, so the same stuff Necrons are made of, and boiling blood. And they're said to be made of the rawest moments of battle when only overwhelming force prevails. Yeah. Wait, Ryan, can I correct yeah. you something? Yes. You said it looked like a bull. I would argue that it looks like a freaking black rhino. Possibly a rhino, yes. Because it's it has like a sharp horn. Has... Yeah, but it has hooves. Which is why I went for bull. Oh, actually, it also has like a nose ring. It looks like 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 some bulls, you know. Oh yeah, it does have a nose ring. Yeah, that's a fair point. So yeah, huh. I think the I think the blade on its head in that particular picture is more of a affectation of like the armor it appears to be wearing. Yeah, it's just aesthetics. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's just like how can we make this angry demon bull worse? Bolt a <laughs> knife to its face. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, instead of, like, two horns, like a bull, it's just, like, one big-ass one in the middle. Yeah, I think that was the idea. And actually a backup at the top of it, so, you know, just a backup. Yeah, just in case it doesn't stab someone quite enough. <laughs> I feel like it's the kind of thing that would just stampede over the enemies rather than stabbing them with the horn. I think the horn is basically just a stick. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just visuals, man. It looks cool. Yeah. All right. Now... Last thing to look over this, we have the space marines that are, you know, chaos marines under corn. Do you know which legion these are? No. They are the world eaters of Angron. Ah. Oh, that. Yeah. So the world eaters and their primarch Angron have now fallen to corn. Angron okay. is now the demon primarch of corn, and he looks fucking nuts. Uh,. And to be honest with you, right, he was always an angry dude, so, like, it makes sense that he ends up a card. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so the World Eaters have what are called Butcher's Nails fitted in their skulls. A Butcher's Nail is a piece of technology. It's like <laughs> ancient lost technology that no one really knows how to make anymore other than these guys. Um, And what it is, is they implant it into your skull and it fucks with your brain so that unless you are enraged and performing violent acts, you are in complete and utter agony beyond belief. What? So they just all have to be angry and violent all the time. There's some fun at parties. No. Oh, they are the party. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. So once like the whole Horace Heresy thing started up, they were just like, well, our current leader doesn't really like how angry and violent we are. So we're just going to go find someone that'll be like, good boy, whenever we're violent and angry. And yeah. they found corn. <laughs> and now they just go around murdering stuff for corn. Amazing. Or something. Something like that. Words to that effect, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Before we get to, like, the, the last section, which is, like, the notable characters, right, there's an extra thing with Cord I actually want to go over. Because okay. if we could have done this for the rest of them, we might actually backtrack to the other uh, Chaos Gods a little bit here. Okay. But uh, there's a thing, right? So 
there is gifts that the chaos gods give to their followers. <laughs> and I found a list of them, and some of them are pretty cool, some of them are pretty fun. But this is the case for all of the chaos gods, and I kind of forgot about this section in the others. So we might backtrack a little bit here, because we, we've we got a little bit extra time in this episode, but we'll look at Corrin's ones just now, so you got an idea. Right? Yeah. So, some of them are like weapons, some of them are like physical augmentations and stuff like that. So, you have like the Axe of Corn, which is a big-ass demonic axe imbued with the power of bloodlust. Okay. <laughs> well, it's imbued with the power and bloodlust of corn. So it basically just makes whoever is, like, holding it just incredible at killing stuff and destroying stuff. Yeah. Yeah, pretty standard stuff like that. You've also got, like, the Berserker Glaive, which is a very or a very similar concept. Uh, you know, the standard stuff. <laughs> what, Ryan? Sounds OP. <laughs> the standard stuff. Yes, okay. Yeah. But then there's stuff like praise of corn. So corn just praises one of his followers, and apparently it just increases the chances that the champion's armor deflects hits from him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, pretty standard. Uh, yeah. Or corn might gift one of his followers with one of the juggernauts to use as a steed. Oh, that's a good gift, actually. Yeah. Uh, or there's the Talisman of Burning Blood, which allows the bearer to control his rage for slightly longer than usual. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, I suppose the idea would be it can make you even angrier for a while. But, yeah, there's a lot of shit like that. I think these are more based, rather than on lore, they're, I think they're more based on, like, game-related stuff. To be honest, yeah, I, I think so. I, think, I so. think that's more the purpose of the gifts in particular. But yeah, it's an interesting concept to kind of, I don't know, I guess look at the actual way that the chaos gods might show their favor to their, to their underlings. Mm. But yeah, uh. I, I think you're right. It does, it does sound like you know, a profitable way to make stuff that could be sold in like figurines and in-game, you know, weapons. For, yeah, you know. uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking. But that's that's the whole uh, genre in itself, you know. It's a very profitable uh, genre. So, yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, um, Game Workshop didn't start off as a like as a story company. They weren't like when it started off. They were a mo a mini making company. So they just made the models for the game, right? Yeah. And then down the line because they were doing the whole Warhammer thing, there wasn't really much storyline behind it until, like, the third edition of Warhammer Fantasy, which is when they started properly putting in actual lore and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and it started to, like, take shape as an actual world. Sure. Until that point, they had basically just been a company making models so you could play the game, and that was it. Sure. So... Okay. It, it, it's all very much based around the game, not the story. Yeah. But, to be fair, it, 
while that does show in some ways, which is kind of unfortunate, like, we all know Gilliman's not getting killed out in suit because he has a model. If there's a model of a character, they're not going to die. It's kind of as simple as it goes. Should <laughs> should um, yeah. But while that aside, you kind of have to accept at the same time they've done a good job of telling a really good story without having it to be all tied to the game exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is good. Like there's so much extra stuff, side stuff that's not in any way related to the game and probably never will be that makes the storyline incredible. I think it really does a lot of credit to them that they've been able to do that. Let's move on. Notable followers of Corn. Yeah. Alright. Do you know any? I'm just going to start asking you random questions like that. You know any? See if you can sell any capital? Uh, not at the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I don't think we mentioned any, but where have you did? <laughs> Alright. First one we're going to go with. Scarbrand, right? Scarbrand's a fun dude. He's one of the most powerful bloodthirsters, right? Mm-hmm. So, while this guy has done a lot of stuff, like he turned up during the whole uh, rebirth of Gilliman thing, and Gilliman kicked his ass, stuff like that. Uh, he's done a lot of shit like that. Uh, but there's a really interesting story that's like just his story individually. So, Scarbrand, again, being one of the most powerful bloodthirsters, was able to, like, take down entire armies on his own and, like, go and ravage the lands of the other chaos gods and stuff like that. He was an absolute unit, right? Mm-hmm. Total monster in combat. And one day, Zinchko's got a plan here. So he starts kind of manipulating Scarbrand to bring his rage even higher and higher and higher until eventually his rage reached a point where it turned back on Corn. So Scarbrand just... Well, he basically got angry and all, like, so unbelievably angry while he was fighting that he basically turned to Corn and was like, you're a fucking wuss, I'm gonna have you and I'm gonna become the new god. Oh, yeah, that's a bad idea. Yeah, so he attacked Corn. All he did was put, like, a little chink in his armor, and then Kord grabbed him by the throat and strangled the life out of him to the point that he has no, like, personality left or any, like, silk left. All he has is, like, nothing but blind rage. That's all Scarbrand is now. (laughs) And then Korn carried him to the top of the citadel, raised him above his head to show everyone what he had done to him and what happens if you try to pick a fight with Korn and think you're big. And then he yeeted him through the warp. What? (laughs) He just tossed him from the top of this thing right through the warp. For eight days and nights, uh, Scarbrand just kept flying through the warp. Oh, that sounds <laughs> horrendous. That sounds yeah. horrendous. It just reminds me of Loki in in the uh, in the Marvel films. I guess Thor three is like I've been falling for twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> 
for eight days in the warp. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he basically just flew through the warp for eight days and nights until he eventually hit something and made a gigantic crater. But the impact also burned his wings to hell. So Scarbrand's wings are just destroyed. Oh, God. Yeah. So he can't fly no more. Nah, at least not very fucking well. No, unless, unless... Unless? He turns to some magic shit. Ooh. Nah, nah, Corsons don't do magic, remember? They hate magic. Magic's I know, whoopers. but maybe he doesn't like corn. No, 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 he loves corn. Corn's his dad. Uh, well, you know. He just thought he was better than him for a bit there. That's been I'd... thoroughly strangled out of him, though. It's fine. It's, it's, so he it's... doesn't hold a grudge anymore. It's not what no, no, no. He doesn't have enough of a mind left to hold one. Oh, he is his anger now. Oh, okay. Well, well, yeah. Interestingly, though, he serves corn better now than he did before because now he's just a mindless creature of rage. Before he I thought mean... about things. I mean, why doesn't his Cornish guys just get in a line and he can just strangle them one by one? <laughs> Make productivity go up like by 50% or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> Once I guess, in a while, you might need one that can think. <laughs> no, it's but, fine. It's fine. I can do but, all thinking. Right, it's fine. What we do here is everyone light up biggest to smallest. I'll strangle the biggest guy and then you all strangle the one smaller than you. Oh, ooh, oh ooh, that's a good idea. That, that's efficiency. That's efficiency, right? I like that, Ryan. At some <laughs> point, though, you're going to have the weakest bloodthirster strangling the strongest bloodletter. And I think you would just tear the head off of a bloodletter if you tried that, being that the height difference alone is like four feet. Oh, God. <laughs> there's got to be yeah. some whoopsies, okay? <laughs> yeah, look, look we're... Like, there's a reasonable margin of error here. We're willing to accept, like, a 10% loss of life. Oh, That's God. acceptable range. That's acceptable for a 50% increase in productivity. Uh, we sound like a business now, right? <laughs> I think the problem is... I, I think the problem is that Corn would probably strangle the life out of the first one till he became nothing but rage. And then he wouldn't stop strangling the next one at that stage. And so on and so forth. So they'd all just strangle each other to death like a domino effect. Oh, well, I mean, corn kids always just start from the beginning again. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a kind of thing Zinch would trick him into doing, though. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's a great plan. Try it. <laughs> um, Be funny. I feel like we should, I feel like we should uh, look into this. Yeah, we should write somebody about this idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Have it animated or some shit. Oh, hell yeah, that'd be great. All right, the next blood letter we're talking about is Kabonda, right? Uh-huh. Kabonda is one of the strongest of Korn's bloodthirsters, much like Scarbrand. He's in that first host as well. I yes. think he's stronger than Scarbrand, though, technically. I don't know for sure. All right? We're not going into his full story, because there's a big storyline with this guy. But, interesting tidbit of information, Kabonda is the bloodthirster that fought Sanguinius during the siege. Oh! I hate that guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a dick. He's the one that got fucking snapped over Sanguinius' knee. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you that, you prick. Nobody <laughs> messes with sang my boy Sanguinius, okay? <laughs> Except Taurus. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
He didn't even kill him right. The, the Emperor had the right idea. You gotta obliterate the soul of a Primarch. No, 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 no. No, Horus just yeeted Sanguinius into the warp, basically. You know, yeah. there's a there's a funny bit in, in one of the Magnus books. I guess, uh, I think it's Morningstar, or it might be Magnus the Red that's actually called, and it's about Morningstar, could go either way. You know, um, in, in this book, there's a, like, a really big moment where Magnus uh, basically almost dies trying to save a ship that's about to crash into the ground. And... Perturable carries him out of the crater afterwards and back to like their fortress so he can be healed. And once he recovers, he goes to see Perturabo. And they're talking, Perturabo's like, Brother, I've always theorized that it would take something incredible to kill one of us. I didn't think you'd take that as a challenge. <laughs> and it occurs to me now that. I feel like that was probably more dangerous than just fighting Horus, and that's about it. Yeah. <coughs> so, in theory, I think Magnus would have murdered Horus. <laughs> that's the point I was trying to get. I feel like it was just unlucky that it was Sanguinius that got down first. I feel like yeah. any of the other Primarchs would have fucked up his day. <laughs> Sanguinius was too nice for his own good, I think. He was. I yeah. mean... He wasn't confirmed, like, completely out and dead, right? No, no, Sanguinius of... is dead, dead. Oh, he is dead, dead. That's confirmed? Yeah, he's actually dead. Oh, god dang it. Or, he died. Yeah, or but you know, actually that's... actually killed him. That has happened a couple of times before, Ryan, and sometimes when you say people are dead, you, like, an episode or two later say they're not completely out. Hmm. Okay, yeah, so Sanguinius' body is dead. Yeah, but his spirit just went into the warp, like they all do when someone dies. So like, he's kicking about somewhere. Yeah, all we need is just like a twist, you know, where he can, you know, get that into a physical body or make suit. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> make a comeback with some mechanical <laughs> wings. Sanguinius to possess someone. Yes, I I reckon Celestine's gonna become the host of Sanguinius. And. <laughs> That would be overpowered, you know. Like split personality. <laughs> Just got more than a head million in her body. He's like, oh, the body's a lot smaller than the one I'm used to, but I still have my wings, so that's fun. Saint Sanquinius. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I feel like that in itself is heresy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. So. The last follower we're going to talk about is one of the coolest followers of Demon or any of the Chaos Lords, right? I would say he's cooler than most of the Demon Primarchs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Karn the Betrayer, right? Now, again, this guy has a huge storyline, which is really a deep dive in itself. So we're just giving you some brief stuff here. Mm -hmm. but. He is the greatest champion of Korn, second only to the demon Primarch Angron, right? Uh -huh. He was a World Eater's captain, so he was he actually was under Angron's command. And now he's like Korn's champion, this absolute unit. <laughs> so, do you remember the whole Istvan thing where they nuked a planet with all the loyalists on it to clear all the traitor legions of anyone that hasn't turned yet. Yeah. So, 
There's a guy called Garville Loken who was one of Horus's dudes. He was one of his captains who stayed loyal. He He's the one that you see the storyline of Horus turning evil from. You see it from Loken's point of view. Eh? After the whole purging of the planet thing, there were still some people left alive and they kept the fight going against the traitors, right? Eh? And the way it ended up was they basically ended up with a bunch of like main named characters going in and killing all the leaders who were also kind of main named characters uh, like uh, Isekai Labadon went in and fought Saul Harvest no, Eidolon fought Harvest didn't he? Anyway, so they basically had a bunch of like named characters that were evil fight a bunch of the named characters that were good and kill them all so that the traitors were the only ones alive and Karn was impaled through the chest uh, by Gavio Loken. And everyone just thought he died, and that was it. <laughs> Interestingly, though, uh, rumors of his death were greatly exaggerated. Okay. Uh, he also died during uh, the Siege of Terra. Uh, his, like, his squad carried his dead body off the battlefield and back to their dropship when they were all like fleeing Terra after Horus died <laughs> and uh, it turned out he was still alive but they don't know if like he actually just wasn't quite dead yet or if Korn just like brought him back to life because they were like he's a cool guy I want him to keep going <laughs> so for but all it... we know Korn brought this dude back to life to keep fighting yeah, but I'm sorry, Ryan. This just brings me back to the fact that when people die in Warhammer, you can never count them out until it's like absolutely definitely effing confirmed, you know? Unless the Emperor kills them, you really really don't know for sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, and Karn has since dedicated his millennia-long life to unleashing bloodshed and carnage on anyone within reach. Lovely. Yeah. To such an extent that there is a mountain of skulls by Korn's throne, all of which were put there by Karn the Destroyer. Nice. Purely nice. him alone has contributed a mountain of skulls to Korn's throne. Mount Korn Skull. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I had to say about corn. Love so, yes, the stuff. Yep. It's the last episode of the season. All right, I want to know what do you? Yeah. Do you feel like you've learned something about all the different factions of Forty K? Yes, I I do, and I now regret it because I talked to my girlfriend about this. I spoke about some of the stuff and the topics we had about Warhammer during the seasons, right? Both one and mm -hmm. two. Yeah. And she's just like, yeah, I can't look at you the same way, you know. I kind of think he does not understand <laughs> one thing. And she thinks, uh, <laughs> she thinks, uh, yeah. That is <laughs> incredible. I love that. <laughs> Big fan of that. So, uh, yeah, now, I, I've learned a thing or, th or two. I'm glad. Right. There are still some other factions, technically speaking, kind of minor ones and stuff that we could talk about. So, like, Sisters of Battle are a faction. They're not really a minor faction. They're kind of like a secondary rather than a minor faction, I guess. 
Yeah. Uh, or the Custodies is another one. It's a small army, so there is only so much about them. They do have a good storyline behind them, much like Sisters of Battle have a good storyline behind them. And there mm-hmm. is a lot you could talk about there. But they don't turn up enough, you know? So it's easy enough that we can come to them later. Uh, Gene Stealers are another one, because they kind of go hand-in-hand with the Tyranids. Uh, and the Astra Militarum, which is just your everyday soldiers of the Imperium. Okay. Which is another one that we can kind of cover at a later date. So, we're all set for Season 3 now, man. Yes, yes, and yes. for all of you listening, it has been decided. Season 3 is the Primarchs. We're going to do episode by episode covering the storyline of the Primarchs. I, we haven't really decided what's like timeline we're covering yet. The idea is, from the moment they get thrown into the warp, and then like they're growing up and stuff, and then becoming a Primarch, like by meeting the Emperor and getting their legion and stuff. Yeah, probably up till the end of the Heresy kind of thing. I think that'd be the kind of timeline we'd be looking at. But yeah, I, I, I think that'll go a long way towards filling out a lot of the kind of timeline for you as well. Because yeah, while I you know so. the timeline of these things, it's there's a lot of the universe you don't know yet. And learning like each Primarch's whole world, what it's like, what it was like growing up there, stuff like that, you get a better idea of what the Primarch is like, because you're going to learn all the Primarchs individually now and know them all properly. Uh-huh. You'll get to learn a bit about the legions and what they're all about, and you'll get to learn about what their home worlds are like. So it fills in a bit of the universe and kind of a bit more about the kind of the legions and the primarchs and stuff as well. It should be a good mix of different pieces of new information. Yeah, just getting a better understanding of you know the primarchs. I like it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for this. No, yeah. right. I want you to know, right? I've got, I've got a. Uh, uh, order that we're going to cover them in right and it's a purposeful uh-huh. order it's planned out right there's a reason yeah. for it now i need you to, i need you to guess for me who's first oh man it depends on what you have you know decided is a priority you know is it people that i like so perhaps sanguinius for example perhaps that that that, that could be something or is it just could like be? Somebody who you think is essential for the main storyline, I don't know, chronologically in the time. Oh, so maybe like Gilliman then, since he's, you know, the most prevalent one now. Perhaps. The, yeah, uh, that's solid so logic. It, it depends really on what you have prioritized, you know? Yeah. So honestly, You're I right. couldn't say. I couldn't say. <laughs> do you want so a little, I don't know. <laughs> do, do you want to know? Do you want a little sneak preview of who's first? Hell no. I want that to be a surprise for both me and the listeners for season Hell three. Yeah, Maze. Love that answer. <laughs> but, so stay tuned. Yeah. You want to sign us off for the last time for season two? Sure thing. Also, just let me add here that we are working on visuals for season three so you can both watch uh, the visuals. Like, Ryan sends me pictures sometimes to just to you know, make it clear or how demons look, for example, in this episode, right? His followers. Um, so yes, we will have visuals where we can like sit in a studio and you guys can actually see what he sends to me. We can put it up on a screen. Uh, also Ryan informed me that that's going to be able to be, uh, previewed in Spotify as well. 
So yes, Spotify has a video podcast now. Yes, I'm looking very much forward to that. So thank you guys for listening to the last episode of season two. And Ryan and I will look very much forward to uh, to iterate in season three. And we will see you there. <laughs> Take care and pace. Bye.